1: Do it. <laughs> Bad guy in a little coat. That guy in a little coat. Don't. That <laughs> guy in a little coat. That guy in a little coat.
2: Take it off, dickhead. I'm serious. Richard, what's happening?
0: Good morning, Cleveland. I'm back. No more shit intros from Ian. Thank God. <sighs> All's Today- right in the world. Jack, what are we going to be talking about today? How we improve the intro.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't understand why you don't like my intro. Right. It's it, beautiful.
0: Man. You just get a spot of yeah. tea. I am never, never doing any the intros anymore, okay? It's quite clear. But anyway, today we are talking about the interior defensive line. So Woo! we've done the edges.
2: If you didn't listen to the edge, go back to Monday. We're all about the interior today.
1: Who doesn't like the interior? It's like the department of the interior. It's, it's wonderful.
0: It's like a plug. You need it.
1: Well, this is the one position, though. I mean, we're going to just be on divided lines here. We're going to basically have, you know, the Monagues, the Capulets, the Duffins, the Browns, the Wrights. Everybody's going to be in their own quarter. It's going to be a freaking mayhem talking about
2: our five fat guys. Love them. Yeah, they're, they're just fat people that waddle around.
1: They are some of the most freakishly athletic people you will ever see. They're just insanely larger than the average human being. Uh, I remember back in like 2015, I was in Columbus and I got in a buffet line with Danny Shelton and the Browns had done the orange and brown scrimmage and we were out there and Manzel was on the team and I'm actually significantly bigger than Manzel, but I get in line, Joe Thomas is like two in front of me. Then it's Danny Shelton. And then behind me is Cameron Irving and Cameron Irving's large, like he's a big guy. Joe Thomas is obviously six, 300 and something. But then Danny Shelton, who's, as we know, is the fat guy in the middle, he's his quad, like his leg was literally the size of my entire chest torso. Like these, like Paul, when you see these guys, they're just so massive. And you're just like, how do you move that guy? And then you look at him and you go, how does a guy that big run that fast? <laughs> it's, it's, it's wild. I mean, Aaron Donald's undersized at 295, but then you start looking at some of these 320, 330, 340. And you're just like, whew, that's
0: a lot of man moving. I've met some uh, DTs in my time.
1: Alianka, um,
0: Danny, Danny, uh, Sheldon.
1: Yeah, you're smaller than me, so he probably engulfed you.
0: Uh, Zach Banner,
1: he's an offensive tackle.
2: I remember when you met. I the... thought he played on
1: the inside. He's a, he's an he's an offensive tackle. He played guard and then he moved out to tackle when he was with the Browns.
2: Oh shit! Yeah, sorry. We're not yeah. talking was about the Raiders' that. offensive tackle you met. Oh, Trent yeah. Brown. Yeah. yeah Trent Brown. Yeah, he's huge. He looks like a toddler stood next to him. It's <laughs> insane.
0: <laughs> My dad. Um... <laughs> but yeah, He's a big old guy, he was, so yeah.
1: Well, but these are the heart of the defense. You know, we talk about the use of linebackers and stuff like that. Well, a lot of times what makes a good linebacker is good big guys in the middle. And surprisingly enough, you know, the Browns actually, if I'm not mistaken, just promoted uh, Ben Bloom to run game coordinator. I think a little people were confused by that. That's defensively. That's not offensively. I saw a lot of people out there asking, like, what happened to Bill Callahan and stuff. This is the guy that is designing the system to stop the run, not the guy who's designing what Nick Chubb and all those guys are doing. So just to add a little clarity to that, there was a little confusion around that. And I did see a stat. The Browns were ninth against the run in the NFL last year. So not a lot of teams are running the ball, but when they do, you're not getting through this top 10 rush defense.
2: No, it's, it's really good and promising. Um, basically, this jump into the uh the room so the average in the nfl is 9.1 on the defensive line um looking at sort of how many snaps how many we play what the breakdown is generally five edge four in the interior um and i expect that's how it's going to go this season generally from your two starters they'll aim to get about 60 percent and then for the two backups about 33 percent so you ask hey where's the other seven percent That's going to be with like edges coming inside, um, get that extra pass rush. If it's sort of third and 15, there's no point sticking two fat dudes in there. Um, You want to get after the quarterback, rush four and drop everyone deep. Um, So that's what you're going to look. With some of this piece, you can get into debates on, hey, it's a one tech, it's a three tech. Um, Take it all with a pinch of salt in the article. I've just put a load of dudes for one of the positions and been like, eh, if they want a free agent, here's some names. Um, because, quite frankly, I haven't got a tape measure um, or the interest to go and follow every team for a, a free agent that I don't think we're going to sign anyway. But the article, is always, is over on thedogland.com. You can read all about over there. But in the podcast, we just go into more depth. Um, so, any discussion on the overall room before we get into position one to four?
1: Yeah, just to give people an idea. So, last year, Sheldon Richardson led the Browns in snaps by a defensive tackle. He had just under 75% of the, the snaps. So that's a little bit higher than probably normal. Second, obviously in the room was Larry Ogunjobi. Larry Ogunjobi was about 60% of the snaps. And then you had the remaining 350 from Jordan Elliott and 244 from uh, Vincent Taylor. So you're not talking about a very large number there, but just to give people a little bit of the idea. So defensive tackle can either be three types. You have a zero technique, which is a guy that lines up just over the center. A one technique is somebody that would line up in between the guard and the center. And then you have a three technique, which will be more towards the guard. The idea being, do they want to move? They they want them to go head up or do they want them to go offset? So in a gap scheme versus his own scheme, that kind of stuff matters, but we won't go too far into the nuances of that. But to give you an idea, obviously you can go out to five and nine and it goes out from there but a zero tech is obviously going to be a bigger guy because his job is to clog up the middle and try to plug two gaps. You could look at somebody like Andrew Billings, where as a three technique will be somebody that's a little bit more nimble, a guy like a Sheldon Richardson, or, you know, I think they're maybe going to look at Jordan Elliott out there. He couldn't slide inside to play a one, but the idea is you don't want to have all zeros. You don't want to have all ones. You don't want to have all threes. So you want to kind of mix it up within there and have a different guy with a different skill set. So you know, that just kind of gives you an idea of the different types of D tackles that are within the room. But shockingly, we found out that only four defensive tackles even played a snap for the Browns last year on a defensive thing. And that was Jordan Elliott, Vincent Taylor, Ogunjovi to Richardson. So there was a little bit of continuity in that sense that we didn't have many injuries. Obviously guys would sh- cycle out for a play or so, but only four guys played the defensive tackle position. Um, I should say as defensive tackles, you know, Jack had mentioned about guys moving inside, which obviously happens like a guy like Miles Garrett. But for the most part, only 40 tackles. So in terms of roster construction, you ain't going to see the Browns have more than four. They're not going to have more than
2: four. And sort of something just to touch on, uh, we're just going to work on one and three tech as sort of the list. So that's covering the uh, center. And then the other one is covering the guard on the outside shoulder. Um, So if, if you're thinking, hey, let's get a picture of this, just Google one technique NFL picture loads of great stuff on google you can see where everyone lines up and there's there's some great charts and it'll all make a lot more sense there but effectively the one tech is the guy nearer the center going to be a bit fatter more of a run stuffer whereas your three techs a bit more nimble um you you sort of perfect example It was obviously a zero technique but you're thinking more danny shelton sort of area of you sort of nearer to zero he's a, a perfect zero but Um, a little bit lighter than that one technique your three techniques you're thinking sort of your Aaron Donald your your past Russian style um, offensive uh, defensive tackle so that's sort of like getting your head in the right space Um, but we're going to start with the starting one tech. the only person in the room that I think we're all in agreement is certainly back next year and um, he sat out the last season, um, was sort of a promising addition to the Browns, but sat out as a high COVID risk. Um, so he's got a $3.5 million fully guaranteed deal, and that is why we know he's certainly coming back. It's a former Cincinnati Bengal, Andrew Billings.
1: Yes, the big man. I think that him kind of dropping for the season and going into the opt-out list, I think it actually did have an effect on the Browns defensive line. I think they were relying on him. You know, he's only 25 years old in his fifth year out of Baylor. Um, he's 6'1", 2, uh, 328, 330 pounds. So he is that bigger guy. So in terms of trying to make sure you clog up the middle, a guy like Larry Ogunjobi is a little bit lighter, a little bit more of a speed guy than that. So I think forcing Larry to play inside kind of in that zero one one range may have had a little bit of an impact on him. And we're going to see how much they believe in Larry Ogunjobi this offseason. But yeah, in terms of Billings, you know, promising career with Cincinnati was one of, the, one of the more key free agent signings that we did have. So, this is one I'm actually excited about. Um, you know, we were talking with Paul about it and just kind of the size of a defensive tackle. I mean, when you think about a guy who's 6'1, 330 pounds, that is a, if you want to calculate that, would we figure out how many stones is that for all our international listeners?
2: 25 and a half stone. That is a, That's a lot big of man. Dude. Yeah.
1: So you're talking about a very wide body. And the theory being, if he's going head up on a center, then you're going to probably need some assistance there. And if you give him some assistance inside, now that means Miles is going single. So, you know, Paul was definitely invigorated by our conversations there.
0: Yeah, I'm all about the big guys myself. You know, that makes you feel skinny. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the uh, the old defensive tackles. Would, and, did
1: did you feel at any point during the season the Browns' rush defense was lacking at all, Paul?
0: Nah, not at all. <laughs> Solid.
2: Love it. Solid as a rock. <laughs> Love it. So we, we'll round out the one tech room before we get onto the three tech. Because I think the three tech is more juicy. So I'm going to throw the next name out there as my favorite to start. And It's a rotational spot in my piece because, as we spoke about earlier, you're still looking at them, hopefully playing about 30% of snaps. Um, So I'm going to say Jordan Elliott, rotational one tech. um, Get him in that sort of 15 to 20 snaps a game. um, And then the other option, obviously, is bring back Vincent Taylor instead in free agency. But I think Elliott, they took him in the third round, even though he wasn't great. I don't think anyone's going to claim he was last year. There's a lot of upside now. I think they'll want to give him another shot before giving up.
1: Yeah, I definitely think a guy, you know, he took him in the third round. He's it's again, you need to have guys that cycle in here and learn a little bit. I mean, he, you know, he took 350 snaps. That's, you know, not bad. Get in there. See live bullets. I mean, I think he made he made a couple of plays and you're like, okay, I see what they see in him, you know, but at the end of the day. This is a guy who was in college last year who's going up against grown men that are trying to earn paychecks. And the interior of the offensive line is no place for, you know, for guys without a lot of, you know, power. And I think once you get into the NFL, you realize that that power you had in college isn't quite going to translate. It's very rare that you see a guy come in and just physically dominate on the inside in his rookie year. So definitely I think the years two and three are going to be ones where we watch to see what Jordan Elliott really can do.
0: I must admit, though, I – I thought there was more with Ogie Joby at the start of his uh, career with the Browns than uh, this guy.
2: Uh, Ogie Joby, as we'll get onto in a minute when we start talking about the 3-6, flew out the gates. Absolutely incredible for the Browns. Um, but then continued downhill from there. Um, I think their really ambitious hope for uh, Elliot is that he has a really good year this year. Um, dominates in those sort of 30% of snaps and they go, actually, we want to see what he does as a star in one tech next year. Um, that leaves them a really nice transition. Even if he's only actually there go, look, we don't want him playing 66% of snaps. Let's get him up to 45% of snaps. We'll bring in another one tech who can play 45% of snaps. Um, so there might not be sort of that starter and backup. We'll just keep them both fresh. And I, I think that's something they would love to do. Um so yeah, keep an eye on it. I think they're really hoping he can develop, but at the same time, they're not committed if if he has a sort of down year or he only ever makes it to a backup. Third round pick who's a backup three tech for four years, perfectly fine.
1: Yeah. And I think we talked about it in some of the other positional groups about being able to come in and learn under a veteran. And I think a guy like Sheldon Richardson, somebody, you know, we're gonna kind of here's the thing a lot of times in the offseason, you can read the tea leaves, right? If the Browns think that Jordan Elliott has arrived and is going to provide an impact, then a guy like Sheldon Richardson, not as necessarily important. However, if they feel that he could benefit another year under Sheldon Richardson to Jack's point, maybe you bump him up to 45% of the snaps. You take Sheldon down from 75 to 65 or 55. And then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, in that third year, you know, I don't, we won't get too much into the Richardson contract right now, but then all of a sudden, maybe in that third year, you're expecting the jump. So you'll really be able to get a good judge on what they think about Jordan Elliott this offseason when it comes to the other D tackles in the room.
2: Yeah, no, it's sort of a really good opportunity across the whole roster to go, oh, this is what they think of this guy. This is what they think of that. If they're sort of signing guys in a particular room and you're thinking, well, we've got this player that looked good last season, but they've signed two players in free agency or the draft to be ahead of them. Then suddenly you're like, Man, maybe, maybe they weren't that excited about that dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there'll be other guys that you're like, Oh, I, th- I think he's got some promise there. He played 25, 30% of snaps as a linebacker, but they're brought in three guys in front of him. Uh, he's probably getting cut. So um,
1: it, it comes down to the guardrails, right? Turn the bottom of the roster, let the young guys play. Like you got to see what they can do because at the end of the day, if you put them in there and the bullets, just are too fast and they, you know, shrivel up and they're not, you, you're not going to waste time on them. It's like, Hey, we need to see something out of you. If we're not going to see it, then we're going to move on. And at the end of the day with Jordan Elliott, at the end of the second year, if you don't see a lot, then you pretty much know he's not going to be in the future. Then it's time to start looking for a replacement.
2: Yeah, So that more or less covers the one tech. So there, there's not much debate there. Um, it's pretty much locks in It is what it is for the year ahead. Um now we get onto the juicy debate. So Mm -hmm. I I think it's only right. We'll start with the stars. Well, where would you put
1: Vincent Taylor? Would you put Vincent at the one? I would. Yeah. So he's a guy that came in. I thought he played halfway decent. I mean, in limited snaps, he at least showed some power in there. Like, I think that's the difference between a guy like Jordan Elliott is Vincent Taylor has been in the league. So this is a guy that knows how to play physical inside that box. I mean, they're virtually the same weight. I mean, Taylor's 3'11", and Elliott's, you know, 3'03". So you're talking about a few pounds here or there. But at the end of the day, a guy that's in his rookie year versus a guy that's in his fourth year, that's what you, that's what you see. And I thought Taylor's a guy – I think he's definitely back for camp. Would you agree?
2: Um, I think if they can do a deal um, that he – because it comes down to is he willing to take a deal that basically has no um, guarantees uh, because they won't want to pay more than sort of – I'd say 25,000, maybe 50,000 in guarantees if they are going to cut him. And they're looking at the list as, hey, he's the third one tech. Um, Then I think they would love to bring him back. But at the same time, they don't want to commit too much for a guy that they're going, hey, we don't think you're going to be around. If it was purely on who was the better player last year, oh, I'm, I'm keeping Vincent Taylor. If they were both rookies, and one was drafted in the third round, one was drafted in the fifth round, I'd say, hey, Vincent Taylor, he's my guy. But I'm betting on the upside. They're looking at, they've obviously seen something in Jordan Elliott. So uh, I think it's really unlikely Vincent Taylor makes it, unless, well, obviously it could be an injury. Something else could happen. Could they bring him back? It depends on what he's willing to take. I think, as we're going to see with lots of Browns, even on defense, if we don't want them to start and have an opportunity, They could go somewhere else where there's a legitimate shot where they can make the roster. And I think from his angle, is he well-served from coming back here? If they're thinking, hey, they've got Billings, they've got Taylor, uh, sorry, they've got Elliott. I've got a really, really long shot of making it. Let's go to a Jets, for instance, um, who are churning that roster or the Jags. Um, I've I've got a really good shot of being on their uh, 53.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So I think that covers kind of the, the the ones, really, and the you know the people you'll see in there. And now, really, what? There's two guys left. So
2: Let, let's get on to the first six name. So starting three takes. Keep them both. Keep them both. Wow. Well, I, I, I think we're, bum, bum, we're starting bum, with a big bum, name bum, here. Bum, so bum, 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 bum. Here, here's his deal. Sheldon Richardson, they've got a $12 million option. So that's fundamentally what they've got to decide. Hey, if he's gone... It saves 12 million. If you keep him, it's on 12. Oh, Could they go the Vernon route, well, then. wiggle him down a bit and go, look, we're going to fully guarantee your deal. Can we get it down to nine or 10? I don't think they're going to do what they did with Vernon, push that right until late on in the season because you don't want to start getting a bad rep with agents for sort of screwing around with players' deals. Um, but if they did that early, I think Richardson would probably go, yep, I'll take that nine, 10 million let's uh guarantee seven eight of it um so uh no I, I think that's a route they could go personally i think there's some better names and better options out there um he had a down year based on sort of what we've seen in the past
1: i thought i honestly thought sheldon was one of the one of the defensive mvps
2: that says more he's about out there battling sheldon richardson <laughs>
1: He's out there battling. I, I just, when I look at Sheldon, Sheldon's one of my favorite guys on the Browns. I just love the the madness he plays with at times. I just like the fact that the guy's willing to mix it up. Like he's wildly one of the few guys that I wouldn't want to see in an alley. Like he's just looks, he's an intimidating, he's just a tough mother, you know? And I think he adds an element to that Browns defense right there on the line that's work hard, battle, just give it all you got. So I, I like Sheldon. I call him the heartbeat of the defense. Jack oh. shaking his head.
0: Yeah. Um, I, this is not, gonna, Jack's not going to like this, but, um, and it's not an emotional decision, but I think you need someone like that in the dressing room as a leader on the defense. And he's similar to me as Landry He brings something more than the numbers on the field. So I say we should keep him.
1: You're damn right, Paul. That's why you're here for this one. Two against
0: one. Dorsey. I want football guys in my team.
1: The only reason Jack doesn't like him is because Dorsey brought him in. He's trying to throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's what he's
2: doing. So let's look at, before we end up sort of, Give him wedding vows between this love triangle of Ian Paul and uh, Sheldon Richardson. I, I don't know number married, but baby. we've got proposals here from two, uh, <laughs> two gentlemen. Um, let's look at some of the names of who else is out there. I would say the most intriguing name in free agency this year that's realistic for the Browns, because quite frankly, let's forget, I think it's Tomlinson or someone else. That ain't happening. They ain't spending that much money. They're not spending 20 million on a, a fat dude. Um, we agree. the most sexy name is Shelby Harris for me gets more pass rush than Sheldon Richardson um, yeah it's going to be a three year deal whereas they've obviously got Sheldon Richardson it's only one year left so it, gets, it leaves them more room for transition and things but I'd say that's a sexier name then you've got two sort of solid names I think he's going to stay where he is but Dominick Sue is just an absolute mercenary if he got Five dollars more for going to one team rather than staying somewhere, he'd probably sign it. Um, and then the other name that he's a bit of a fanboy, Arian, over this chap Sheldon. It's not Sheldon Richardson, <laughs> it's Sheldon, Sheldon Rankins. Um, and then I'll throw one wild card out there a little bit later, but I'll, I'm gonna let the discussion go. So, my preferred name is rather than you've got the 12 million at Sheldon Richardson, and the, potentially you only keep him for one year and then you go cheaper at the position is To go actually, let's spend seven million this year and seven million next year and go with a Sheldon Rankins that gives us two years of a really good veteran defensive tackle rather than go expensive for one and potentially nothing the year after.
0: Jack, question the names you mentioned, what would they roughly cost? So,
2: Sheldon, Shelby Harris, about 11, and and Sue, he got eight this year, I think, with the Tampa. Yeah, I, th- I think you're coming down to about six and a half. Um, and then Sheldon. Um,
1: now, Rankin says what? A Rankin's, void? It's a void thing, oh. right? So the Saints
2: will probably void his contract. Oh, he's a free agent. Yeah. Have the, they officially it. made him that yet? So they can re sign him still before the start of the new league year. Um, but they're just not going to. Um, it's yeah, highly I mean, it unlikely. doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I, he's looking at around seven, I reckon. Um, but he'll get a two year deal. Whereas Shelby Harris is a three and, and Dominican Sioux is just one year at a time. He's old.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the guy for the Giants you're talking about is Leonard Williams. He's the one that's going to get the – not Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, so, yeah, there's really not a ton out there for the interior. There's going to be some smaller names out there. In terms of youth, there's not really – if you look at the list, there's not a ton of younger guys. Rankins is 27. He's one of the younger ones. Malik Collins from the Raiders, he's 26. You know, I just don't see the Browns going out – and signing a 34-year-old Nadama Sue or a 34-year-old Tyson Alu-Alu, 35-year-old Steve McClendon. Like, these just aren't guys they're going to bring in. So you kind of have to look and say, okay, who are going to be the, the younger guys? And I'm sure there's somebody out there that they like trying to pin down who it is. I, you start drawing connections and saying, all right, you know, who are the guys out there that they like? Who are the connections? Because I, I just think that they have a specific set of skills that they're looking for in that player. And there's really no way to figure it out at this point. We really haven't seen it.
2: The, the other danger is you always want some continuity of position. So if you go with Sheldon Richardson in a year's time, Sheldon Richardson's out of contract, Andrew Billings out of contract, Jordan Elliott might not work out. So they go another direction there. And then we'll get onto a discussion at your fourth one next, but pencil that for a later date you're potentially emptying an entire room in an off-season which leaves you no continuity whereas if you go from a, a Richardson which says 12 even if it's 10 to Sheldon rankings for seven and seven then you've at least got some long-term plan um that you transition from one team to sort of the next. You, you add maybe another draft pick or whoever we decide in the next discussion, but you've got some sort of, you, you haven't got a blank slate next season. Which hey, there's nothing wrong with a blank slate, but having someone for two years is a nice position where you've got some control and you know what, what's going on because, hey, who knows? Everyone could have a good year and then suddenly they all want a load of money and, oh, we can only keep one.
0: Yeah, but we've, We've done that before with the safety room and stuff. i like totally new uh, personnel in a team.
2: Yeah, but I, I think if you want to compete for championships, completely clean slate in a entire room of four players is risky. Um, you want that continuity um, because you, I, I'm always up for churning the roster, but churning all four guys, um, probably not where I want to be. Um, can you do it for one year? And yeah, we can add draft picks around him um because then hey you potentially lose your two starters but if you've got Jordan Elliott and a draft pick then it's not too bad um Sheldon Richardson is obviously a solid player that's had a good career was he sort of not playing as well because he had to play 75% of snaps that's a genuine question that the front office can look at and go actually yeah we overplayed him um we need to do a better job of managing him um if uh x reason whatever happened yeah i, I think he definitely
1: a- needs to come down from that 75 number last year i mean that's a lot of snaps and you're talking about a guy that remember he had the neck thing and then he's got a knee thing like yeah he needs to be down 10 15 i'd like to see him in that 60 percent. and if a guy like jordan elliott or player to be named later picks up on a little bit of these snaps i, I definitely think you can't be playing
2: it you know him at that age i want to throw a wild card out there oh boy so say we got a little bit more expensive at the edge Whoever it might be, let's. We, we did that show yesterday, but they want to go slightly a little extra on the edge. Um, not JJ, Watt. forget that? I'm just saying a little bit more. I
1: heard JJ could play D tackle,
2: <laughs> even say Trey Hendrickson. To give you an idea. We we want to go and spend 11 million over the next two, three years there, so we want to go a bit cheaper inside. Carl Lawson. one year deal. I've, I've spoke to PFF's <laughs> Brad Spielberger, good guy. Give him a follow, PFF Brad. Just above the vet minimum. So, one, two million a year, one year deal. Played three tech in college. Solomon Thomas. Oh, I
1: come on. I already told you about him. He can play inside and outside.
2: Yeah, I I think it's one that if you wanted he's to go more cheaper, a there, five,
1: pun, he can play three five, three or five
2: technique. Yeah, he's sticking with three tech. Yeah, I,
1: yeah, you could bring him in.
2: And he's a
1: guy I think they kicked the tires on, honestly. So Paul, we talked about this in the edge show. And I know you've been so busy with work that you haven't had a chance to catch up on this. Solomon Thomas. If you remember right in the 2017 draft, the draft order went Browns Niners bears and the bears after the Browns took miles Garrett decided to give up a lot of things to move from three to two. I think there was a fourth and a fifth or something in there. And they took, it came up and they took Mitchell Trubisky. Well, the Niners all along wanted to take a guy named Solomon Thomas. He yeah. was a in, interior D lineman out of Stanford. I remember. Yeah, and then so what happened was when he went out to San Francisco, they had DeForest Buckner and they had a few guys, so they moved him more to that three to five. He's plays in about the two eighty range, so he's he'd be the lightest D tackle we have. Um, he they did not pick up his fifth year option. So Miles, they did the Browns obviously paid him big, and then Mitchell, Trubisky, and Thomas got their options declined. So. This is a guy who's going to be a free agent this year. He obviously played with Joe Woods in San Francisco, so you're drawing a little bit of a connection there. I'm sure the Niners would like to bring him back. The problem is they have some big money on their D-line already, and they got Nick Bosa and then they got um what's his name uh the D Ford and Eric Armstead. So you've got three guys there, so there may just not be room for Solomon Thomas. I don't hate that, and that's why I brought it up in the Edge one. I just see him does he want to try to make his weight on the inside of the three or does he want to try his luck with the five? He maybe kind of falls in that Cam Hayward role.
2: Yeah, what I could see three, that. He four. wants to go to a team that plays a three-man front and then... uh Yeah, that's broad. the only thing. But start, what's opposite, he um, start. start opposite uh Donald. It would, it would be... If, if you wanted to go somewhere away, you're going to feast. Yeah, Brockers um, in
1: the middle, Donald, and then you'd be... But I don't think the Rams have enough money to pay him anyways.
2: But we're talking like two million maybe one and a half two million i want a little bit more than that no so chatting to brad and it's like he's he's not played well he's going to want a one-year deal somewhere where he can go and start yeah and is the difference between solomon thomas and sheldon richardson 10 million for me the answer is no um, I would
1: not rely on, I'd, I'd need both of them. I would not try to rely solely on Solomon Thomas to pick up the slack that Sheldon did. Oh, no, but I'm, I'm taking the gonna... snaps, but right now, Solomon Thomas has not shown that he can be a longstanding starting defensive tackle.
2: Yeah, but I'm, I'm using the draft. I'm going to go, I, I want Ramo, <laughs> Romeo Acquara um, opposite edge, but I, I'd happily spend a little bit more money there. And that's how you're going to sort of balance it out um so i i think you, you could potentially go that route
1: so the pff has solomon thomas at 62280 so paul if you were to guess from 2017 through 2020 solomon thomas's highest graded pff score across the four years overall what would you guess highest game High, score like no 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 so for the season so he has four scores what do you think his highest was
0: Seventy-five. It's not good
1: no. 62.5. He came in at a 62.5 in 2018. In 2017, 54.1. In 2019, 54.4. And last year, he played 49 total snaps and had 49.5. This what is, is a first-round pick. Number three overall. In his career, he's got seven sacks. Sheldon, I believe he had that this year. Just saying.
2: But it's, it's one that I'm not. I kick
1: the tires on him. I for sure do. Yeah, I think it's there. But again, I'm I'm putting him now. Just remember, just because we say oh they're running to four three doesn't mean that the Browns can't flex into a three man or even bring five down. And we saw that plenty of times. We're stopping the Derrick Henrys. They went to a five across. They went to a bear. So that, too much gets made out of the three four four three five three. I mean, the Browns are going to play a hybrid four two five three, three, five. I mean, you're going to see a lot of different things, Joe, by the way, can we all get off? I know we haven't mentioned much about the Super Bowl. Did anyone notice what Tampa Bay did to Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl for all you Joe Woods haters out there? oh, they're not blitzing enough. Yeah. Guess what? Tampa rushed for dropped seven, almost what eight, 90 something percent of the time. Yeah, it was like a Tampa record. Blitz it was a record because that's how you beat Mahomes. They were expecting him to play cover one, um, cover one deep or whatever the hell the thing was, and yeah. I, I thought they played cover two. They played cover two the most. They were expecting them to play man cover one, and they didn't do it. They switched it, which is what Joe Woods did. Nobody's demanding that Todd Bowles get fired, so it's it, almost like when you have better it, athletes to very play. Passionate cover. about this, mate. Well, too many people were going to Joe Woods, and I thought that was very unfair.
2: No, no, no but he—he's
1: defending Joe Woods. I'm defending Joe Woods. They people wanted to run him out of town. Why weren't you blitzing Patrick Mahomes? And then here at the Tampa Bay, what'd they do? They didn't do it. They didn't blitz him. <clears throat> Take that, you Joe Woods haters. Go Browns.
2: But yeah, it's, it's an intriguing option. Um, if they want to go sort of punt on a one year option, then uh, some it, it really c-
1: you go to Joe Woods and you say Joe. What'd you think of him? Do you think
2: hundred oh, that's, I mean, he worked with, them. I
1: know he was a secondaries coach and maybe Salah tries to bring him over to the jets. If he liked them. I mean, that's really probably your competition, but at the end of the day, you go and say, Hey, do we call him? If he says no, no. If he says, yes, you make the call. That's a simple one.
2: Yeah. So it, it's an option that it'd be bold as Ian said, to bring him in um, to potentially be a starter playing sort of 45% of the snaps. Um, alongside someone but hey crazy things have happened if, if they fall in love with someone at the edge and go we really need trey hendrickson they've got to balance that money somewhere on the d line you go hey we can't afford um what's his name uh sheldon richardson on that number because we've spent an extra six seven million on an extra on an age okay. than we were planning um uh, you you move that money around so it's a wild card i, I i'm still a give me sheldon rankins uh, yeah, he, over... rankins
1: is probably the only guy that i think you could actually rely on i think he's productive so if you go out and get rankins because obviously we all know that the saints are going to have a fire sale so rankins is likely to be available i can't see them trying to do their thing with their contracts and kicking it down the road doesn't make sense really for him um you know if you want to go out and maybe talk to a guy like malik collins I could see that, but you got to get a guy that's a proven NFL starter. If you're going to get rid of Richardson, if you're kicking the tires on one of these other guys, then just keep them around for the money because you're not going to be paying a ton to whoever they bring in. But I definitely think that there will be a target. The Browns will have probably two or three guys in free agency that the minute it kicks off, they're going to go after, they're going to be in this defensive tackle room. And that's on top of bringing Billings back because I think now Larry Ogunjobi, which we're I'm sure getting onto now, there's probably – he's probably somewhere on their list. So if they don't get the top three, he's going to fall somewhere in there. I just don't think he's at the top.
2: Yeah, I I, I think where we're talking about the starter there, he, he's not in that discussion. Um, so. But, yeah. Uh, but- are, we, are we happy to wrap up the starter there? So we're yeah. basically I mean, saying Sheldon- it's Richardson or is Sheldon Rankins.
1: Yeah, you yeah you got to have a guy like that because if we go all, we're just going to get absolutely demolished inside. So, Paul, it's time for you to oh, defend just, your boy just- no.
2: One second on the oh. draft, there. Hey. Everyone's saying it's not a sexy position um, in the draft this year, so it's not going to be something they're going to go get their starter this year. We can touch on it later for that role. I think they're they're not don't seem to be a front office that is going to go spend a first or second on a uh, defensive tackle. I just don't think they're that sort of dudes. Um, so I I think if they're developing anyone, it's in this backup spot. But let's start with well. The free before agent we do
1: that, I, I I stand for them a little bit. If, if the only guy, there's only one that I would take at 26, if he's there, Christian Barmore from Alabama is the only guy that I would draft at that position for 26 if you're talking defensive line. And that's because he passed rushes. So you're talking about a three technique there. He's a big boy. He's young. I like the upside there. So that's the only guy I'm taking at that position. Stop with the Marvin Wilson, by the way. No. Sweet home Alabama. Boom, 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 boom.
0: do we really want players from alabama
1: i'll take christian barmore yeah i'll take uh what's his name the uh patrick sotain i'll take him
0: who's the last alabama person we drafted trent richardson <laughs> mac, wilson. mac wilson
2: yeah we don't have a good record.
0: <laughs> listen
1: he's gonna be there for the turnaround all right guys Right, he's listen, In these sense. bark, these dogs don't bark, these dogs don't bite. Uh, let's we'll lay off Mac. We don't get to linebackers yet, but yeah, we'll yeah Barmore's, <laughs> Barmore's 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 the only guy that I'm taking inside of that,
2: so, um, let, let's jump on the three ticks. So, first name is the first free agent we're going to discuss. And he's a free agent because he's out of contract, so he's done his four rookie years. I'm going to pass on to um Paul and then Ian to chat up their man before I shit all over it. Larry Okinchoby, go.
0: Yeah, the only reason I came on this podcast today was to defend Larry. Larry was a fat, obese kid, as, and then he went through the draft. His mum told him to do some sport to lose some weight. One of the first draft picks I remember, really emotionally attached to Larry, um, likes my DMs on uh, Instagram, and he started really well. Sheldon's come in. He's dropped off a little bit and uh, I want him to stay. I think he's very positive for the club. And uh, yeah, he's had an off year. I thought he could have been a pro bowler. Who knows, but he's had a bad year. Doesn't mean he's a bad person and doesn't mean he's not a Cleveland Brown. No, I definitely
1: don't think he's a bad guy. How much would you pay him, Paul?
0: A four million a year on a one year extension.
1: If he wanted 10 million.
0: And I on <laughs> and yeah, I think
1: my sweet spot is kind of in that $5 million range.
2: I, I don't think it would take anywhere near that, especially with the cap the way it is. Yeah, I just... I, I think I, I if you want him, it, it's three, three it. and a half, one a half. One-year deal. You give him the building's contract to three and a half? I, I, I think that's the most he's going to get in this market.
1: Hmm. You can't say I disagree.
2: So, here, here's part of my issue with where Keefer was it that Richardson.
1: said he was going to get ten? By
2: the way, oh, it's a spotrack him at nine. Ooh. That's why you you don't Can use I, that crappy d- website. We need
1: we need to we need to censor that from the internet. My God, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. it's a
0: question: uh, Who needs a defensive tackle? Everybody, everyone.
1: I mean, I don't think is there a team out there that has the top. I mean, I think everybody's going to drive. I, that's the thing with the, there was only a few of them you're going to need, but I mean, yeah, the, the Rams have D- Aaron Donald, which he's an inside outside guy, which we won't get into the TJ Watt debate that JJ Watt wanted to get in. And then everybody in the NFL wanted to start making their comparisons. But yeah, I mean, if there's a, like Christian Barmore, for example, we're talking about the draft. I think there's 32 teams that if they had, a late first-round pick would probably take him. There's not a team that couldn't use another interior pass rusher, as we saw in the as we saw in the Super Bowl. Getting pass rush with four is the way you slow down some of these big hot shot passing games. Jack, can you imagine what you would have won if you would have bet that the Kansas Kansas the Kansas the Kansas City Chiefs scored zero touchdowns?
2: Uh,
1: I mean, that's got to be what pipe 150 to one.
0: No way. Oh, I think
2: zero 100. touchdowns. I it's got to be at least probably busted. got 100 to one year.
1: Yeah, at least. I mean, Paul, the percentage chances that they had scored over 30 in, you know, how many uh, games out of the last like 20? I think it was like 18 out of the last 20. They scored 30.
2: And I've they just scored... said that to score one touchdown, I'd have laughed at you.
1: <laughs> if you told me, hey, I would need you to put 100 bucks on the Chiefs to not score a touchdown, A, I'd be rich today. B, I told you you're an idiot. I mean, it was amazing. So, and they did it by getting pressure with four. That's I, I the think value that, of defensive tackles. That, That's I why Billings got Coverage
2: was a massive benefit if we're looking at it because they were expecting to be able to get the ball out quick and where they were able to cover for the two and a half seconds, it caused absolute carnage. And the other part was their O-line having no depth on their O-line. They moved their right guard to right tackle and then their right tackle... Um, the same dude. So he moved from right Luckily, guard to right understand. tackle Remmers. And then he had to flip to left tackle. It was just a mess. Um, so that, that depth and having sort of a phenomenal dude in Callahan just cannot go far enough.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and also, I don't think the chiefs were ready for it because we talk about that interior pressure. Did you see the Jeff Schwartz tweet uh, from earlier today? That was talking about what they thought the chiefs ran a two man route and and uh, Tampa Bay dropped seven. So you had seven guys guarding two. So there was there was definitely some gamesmanship going, and it's because Kansas City worried about the pressure. And when you start leaving guys in the block and there's not that many rushers, you have an advantage on defense. And I think Todd Bowles, underrated as a defensive coordinator, but Todd Bowles and Joe Woods, they're not all that different in terms of the style that they want to run. Bowles didn't have the manpower to do it in the Jets and got run out of town. So like when we talk about it, the, the billings and stuff, those are great, but to our point earlier, those are going to play a certain percentage of the snaps. You need guys at the ones and the threes that are going to get upfield and pressure the quarterback, and that's, I think, where the focus of the NFL is going.
2: Uh, back to Larry Ogunjobi. So That's um, where Ogunjobi uh, needed to shine as a pass
1: rusher, and he couldn't do it.
2: I'm going to make the case on why extending Ogunjobi is not a smart move. and uh, I think Ogun, Ogunjobi is no. aware of this. Ogunjobi said, I think the word was, I don't think my future long-terms in Cleveland. Um, or I, he said, I don't know. So he's obviously aware that it's probably not going to work. So we've seen from his snap numbers in the first year, they were really low because he was asked to just be the rotational dude, play 33% of snaps and it worked. He was good at that. Any time he's then increased his snaps, it's gone off a cliff. Obviously his body type, everything, lots has changed as well. Um I think he is positioned to be the dude that plays 35 40% of snaps. The issue is...
1: So he's your D-tackle four.
2: You D-tackle three, four. Um, I, I think he could be your backup three tech. So I think on a roster, he can slot in this spot. Why I think it doesn't work for the Browns is because if he can get three and a half million, they ain't spending three and a half million on that backup spot. Yeah. Unless they're super cheap and they've got rookies at them front spots. If you were... The the chap you mentioned that potentially they're at twelve bar more. Barmore. If you had Barmore and we're one year into Barmore, they they might go, actually, we don't mind spending a bit more on sort of Ogan Joby as a backup. You've got Sheldon Richardson ahead of him. So I think their plan is this spot needs to be about development. And for that reason, I think it has to be a draft pick. I cannot see a route where they go, actually let's have Ogunjobi, Richardson, Billings, all on one-year deals, and the only person on a rookie deal is um, Jordan Elliott, who wasn't that impressive in his first year. Even though I've got hope for him, you've then potentially got a room where you completely wipe it, and I just, I cannot see it. Um, obviously, that they might be able to go the other route. If they, if they went for a two-year deal, then potentially you got him there as a one, but you've got all these draft picks, and these draft picks have got to go somewhere. And if you bring back Richardson, Joby, Billings, Jordan Elliott, you ain't spending a draft pick on your D tackle. And then when you clear everyone out on one year deals, or are you you expecting a third round pick to go and start next year in this room? Because they didn't last
1: year with Elliott and they needed it.
2: What you would be expecting. If you clear everything out, you've got to have development buzzword again, sequencing with these deals. You've got, I'd expect every single year for every position room, basically outside of quarterback, unless it's sort of running back where you can hit the ground day one, that there's always this pipeline of people coming in. So it doesn't have to be a new rookie every year. It could be someone that was here a second year and is really close to being a starter. I don't think Jordan Elliott's that guy. If it was sort of the tight end room where we've got Harrison Bryant that they're like another year like that and he can be one of the two starters, they'd feel a lot better and they could be like, actually, we're happy to go... A little bit heavy, spend some extra money. I just don't see a route where it works for him. Um, Ogan Joby for that reason. Um, I wish him all the best, absolute great chap. Um, but yeah, oh. the, the future's not here.
0: How he, many he might work well in a sort of Ian, you've got a facility to mute Jack. I don't know why you're not muting him.
1: Well, we let him go, you know, at the end of the day. We we here we are about you know equal opportunity for everybody's opinion. This is the marketplace of ideas, this is what we do here. Paul, I have a question for you. If you were to guess how many games Larry Joby had more than two pressures. Remember, he played 17, eight, what? 17 games, 18. I don't think he missed one. this season. Oh, he missed one game. He missed week five. So he played 16 games, 17. Shit. I can't count. How many games did he have more than one pressure? Oh, I'm sorry. Two pressures. More than two pressures? More than two pressures in a game. Three. Zero. He had two two pressures against the Redskins, the Cowboys, the Bengals the first time, the Raiders, Houston, Baltimore, Giants, Pittsburgh in week 17. Every other game he had one or zero. He never had three pressures. End of the season, 23 total pressures. By the way, we're using PFF stats for all the people out there that are wondering where these stats come. Four sacks, two hits, seventeen hurts on the season. And that's the problem, is, is when you're when you want to have a Joe Woods scheme where you're getting pressure inside, I need more. I really do. And-, and
2: let's just put that to comparison. So we had 23 pressures in 17 games. Um, let's just see how many games Sheldon Richardson played.
1: I think he played all because he had the most snaps. I don't think he missed any full games. 18. 18 so
2: he's got one more game he played 18 opposed to 17 so larry ogon had 23 pressures sheldon richardson has got 51 so uh, yeah it's just and how many sacks uh sacks six, six. so six of those pressures are sacks
1: yeah no and yeah and that's the thing you need to cause some panic in the backfield and larry at this point has not found that. And you're right. I mean, he came out of the gates 300 snaps in, you know, his rookie year and did well. Pass rush has never been his forte, to be honest. You know, in the Baltimore game even week 1 where he was off the charts playing well, I mean, pass rush he still only had one pressure. That's it. So, listen, I'll I'll be curious to see, you know, Chris Kiffin's got his work cut out for him in that D-line room. Um, obviously Ogan Joby and miles Garrett are good friends, polar opposites on the field. Um, we'll see. I mean, it's one of those ones. If they don't bring them back, I'm not losing sleep over it.
2: Yeah. I, I think it's all about this long-term planning. It's bigger picture stuff. Um, if step up just,
1: or step out. That's the thing. Yeah. Step up or step out. And at this point I haven't seen enough step up.
2: If you bring in a third-round pick there, suddenly you've got Elliot, you've got whoever this third-round pick is, for instance, and then you're like, right, fingers crossed, both of these guys have a good year. By the end of the season, they're up to 40-plus percent of snaps, and you're like, right, we might be losing Richardson and Billings both in the same off-season. Yeah, we can go spend $5 million adding sort of a, a third DT because we've got these two r- rookie deal guys that we're happy to start. And, and let's just throw another another pick in there. Um, and there's no reason you couldn't be um, in a year's time going, we've got three third-round picks, and that that is sort of the core of that room. And what that means is suddenly you can go out there and you go, sod it, we'll go sign a Gormick can Sue, but whoever the next guy is two years down the line and go, yeah, we, we don't mind paying... Six seven million for this one absolute monster. Um, maybe it's Aaron, as crazy as it sounds, maybe it's Aaron Donald at the end of his career when the Rams have blown the cap, um, they're in tank mode, and you go, Sod it, we'll have an end of your career, Aaron Donald, because we've got three rookies all on third round pick. You mean deals. like what
1: everyone's doing when they bring in Dama Kong Sue? Yeah, they just chase, yeah, he's just chasing five, six, seven, eight, ten million dollar deals, but. Yeah, I mean, Ogunjobi, the one other thing, I mean, one batted pass in his career as a D tackle, he's only got 107 pressures in his career, 18 sacks. And here's the thing. I think this sums it up. Paul, what is the most memorable play of Larry Ogunjobi's career?
0: That's tough for me because I remember, was it in the last game in the playoffs? I thought the Steelers game in the
2: playoffs—it wasn't a memorable game, but it was a memorable moment when he just shifted um, the interior O line. But his game, one, his the, one the, tackle for loss. The the issue was, and if we look right at the peak, he was the best defensive player in the NFL week one according to PFF. The yeah, best number one. And we, the most memorable moment on of his
1: career, by the way, was trying to fight Maurice <laughs> That was the <laughs> most memorable play of his career, shoving him over, getting a penalty in the miles brawl. And that's the thing he hasn't done. He had what I think one touchdown is a touchdown in his career. I don't even remember that. There you go. He's giving up a touchdown in coverage. So I just, I, like I said, I just don't see it. I just don't. I it's like the guy. Two
0: seasons, though, guys, we're a lot better than the last two seasons.
1: Yeah. Mm, yeah.
0: But there's nothing
2: saying.
1: It's gotten progressively worse. 78.4, 60.6, 56,
2: 51.4. There's no route I can see to him. 10 million Back year. to that guy um, that fits for us. Um, I, I I wouldn't mind with the sizes at. It's like, where, where do you put him on a D-line? I, I genuinely don't know that answer Um, for someone that you go, hey, he's going to get pass rush, so you can't play him all the way out. Five, a three, he's not doing enough. Three he's is not is. big enough to go play one. It's He's got
1: to make home at three. He's got to make home at three, and he's got to be able to split a gap and get some pressure like he did in the Pittsburgh game. But it's just not consistent.
2: Yeah. And you, you, that's,
1: you- I think, where he falls down the depth chart, where if you can bring in a rookie or somebody else – they're going to bump him down. I I guess if they bring him back for 3 million a year, that's fine. Okay. I mean, we don't, you know, right now a 3 million dollars don't want to be long term. You know, say Sheldon renegotiates and comes down to 10 and you're able to free up, you know, that okay. I just don't see them sinking a ton of money into him. And I think he knows it.
2: Yeah, and and it just comes to in a year's time, say say you do do that. You bring Richardson down 3 million, you give 3 million to um, Joby, what can Joby do in the next year that you're convinced that he's the guy that we want next to a, a second or third round pick there, there's just there's no route for him to win and I think that's sort of the key issue both from the player's perspective as well as the team why would you hang around on a one-year deal for a team that you know in a year's time is about 90 percent chance they're not going to keep you obviously hey we want to be part of a Super Bowl. Is he going to be the difference to push him over the line? Probably not. But it, it, there's that sort of reason. But if you're a team that you're looking at, hey, let, we want to compete and win for the next six years, Ogan Joby's not, not part of that. And, that. and that sucks because we're going to be having this conversation with lots of players and you know, we like them as people. We'd love them to be around forever. It just doesn't work. There's 53 spots and where we're in such a good position. That there is so much influx of talent. We've got a first round pick, a second round pick, two thirds. Um is it one or two fourths? I think one fourth, two one fifths. One fourth and two fifths. That's sort of well, one, two, three, three. That's seven seven draft picks that are in the top five rounds. So they're all guys you'd expect to make the roster. Six, sevenths, whatever. But that's seven dudes that you're expecting to make the roster. And we're only saying, hey, we know one's going to be spent on offense in somewhere in the wide receiver room. Um, might be at the bottom, might be at the top. You might add one potentially offensive tackle. That's probably it for the offensive side of the ball. So if you're onto the defensive side of the ball, there's five guys, that you, where are they going to go? I think it's unrealistic that they don't spend one on the entire interior defense. Uh, so what is the route for him on the roster? And that, so by the way, I
1: forgot we did trade our second fifth round pick. That was the Ronnie Harrison one. So as of right now, we have 26, 59, 89, 91. Um, and then we have two in the fourth, the Eagles in our own. And then we have in the fifth round, we have one pick, one pick in the sixth and the bills in the seventh. So we have for one first, one second, two thirds, two fourths, one fifth, one sixth, one seventh.
0: Yep. So, six guys it's in the top four rounds. It's exciting. You could theoretically say we have got seven starters, potentially. Jack, no? So, it's not seven
2: starters, but it's seven solid pieces you're bringing into the team. Are you um, talking about adding,
1: Paul, are you talking about free agency and the draft?
0: No, just the draft.
1: Oh, you're not going to that,
2: man. So, I, I don't think a single draft pick... Other than maybe the uh, first round pick is going to be a starter week one, um, and that's if, only if the first round pick spent on defense. If it's on offense, then he's not going to be a starter.
1: What if they take a kicker in the second? You <laughs> sick, sick, fucking.
2: Just look, just look at the
1: Jets, my boy Mike Nugent.
2: Um, but it, it's pick. basically though, those seven guys. You, you expect them all to make the roster, and then.
1: You hope they do. Get them in here them battling, though. Like I said in the DN show, draft two DNs, get them in here. If one of them doesn't work, see you. Get out. Good teams do it all the time. Sorry. Uh, you know, I know that we love draft picks. I know that we love the drafting and of the blue-collar nature of the city. And, it's you know, what's nice is we're talking about the team. We're talking about just taking that step up. You know, we talk about step up or step out for the players. Well, the team overall has to step up. And, you know, when you start talking about D-tackle three and D-tackle two and stuff like that, like that's a good, that's a good problem to have. But, you know, this is when Andrew Barry, this is when he's got to shine. Go find me a guy. Go find me somebody that can make an impact. Show me a guy that's going to get more than 23 pressures. Show me a guy that can change the game from the inside. That's all I want.
2: Yeah, and I think where I have poo-pooed on um, sort of bringing in a free agent name like Ogan as backup three tech, I don't think it's crazy that we touched on Solomon Thomas, that there is a route to Solomon Thomas because he is – obviously prodigiously talented in the past, got drafted number three, that he could come in and there's a route to him replacing Richardson next year. So while I can't see chobi being the guy and it unlocking for him, I think there is the chance that they go, actually, if he is willing to take 2 million, we could go sod it. We'll bring him in. It's not ideal because you do want a draft pick in there, as I said, but at the same time, they go... We don't really care. He's on 2 million. If he does good, then they go, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll give you three-year, five-million-a-year deal. You step up to be the starter, even if it was 6-7, and go, look, we've really unlocked you here. We'll give you 21 million over three years. You're going to be our starting three tech after you've had a, a great year, and then we'll draft the backup. That's something where I can see as a realistic route of them going. Um, unfortunately, Joby there's no career arc um, from what we've seen that says, Hey, that's the guy that can potentially be the starter on 700 snaps,
1: 33 days. I think 33 days to the league year starts March 14th. So we'll know that's hey, at that point there, the bullets are going to start flying. And we talk about it in the game, we talked about in the off season. So we obviously believe that Andrew Barry, that Paul De Podesta, that the guys are going to have a plan. And from there they got to execute it. I think they do. I think this is a room that we'll watch. You'll start plugging these pieces in and we know that, you know, and obviously anybody that's followed along to the show so far is able to put these pieces together. Um, But yeah, so great discussion on the defensive tackle room. Now, Jack, I do believe you put out a tweet as a teaser or is the article up on a certain contract for somebody.
2: Yeah. So the, the article's up. I, I told you all it'd be coming on Thursday and I lied. Sorry. He got eager, um, eager beaver. I did it. And then I was like, Oh, I've, I've tweeted a couple I've sort of DM'd a couple of people. I've, I've just finished this article. It's exciting. And then, uh, I told Jack and so Jack, Jackson McCurry ran the piece. So, uh, it's up on the dog dot land. Um, what does our boy, the man, the mystery, why teller's tell us contract looks like. So we'll just start with the headline numbers. Um, We've got him in tier three for the guards because, yeah, he's not the elite guy that's done it every year. Um, The Zach Martin, the Brooks, the um, sort of superstars. I don't think he's even in that second tier that have been great every single year. He's in that tier three for me just because he's a one-year wonder. Not really any other players like him. So headline numbers, we've got 52 million over five years, which is 10.4 million a year. Um, got a signing bonus and other stuff in there. Effectively, we'll cut it right back down to the, the numbers and how the cash works because that's, that's what matters with a deal. It would be first two new years, 24.2 million total. And then year three is an 8.1 million option. Year four is a 9.1 million option. And year five is a 10.6 million option. So uh, I think that's a really nice deal that the Browns can go ahead and actually go, look, we like what you're doing. We're willing to commit money to you. But then at the same time, he could regress. So I don't think they want to take too much risk with it because he he was below average for two years. And then uh, he is the best lineman in the NFL, according to PFF last year. So I'd expect him to take a deal that's cheaper. Um, If we waited a year and he puts up another year like he's done this year, he's getting 16 million a year. Yeah. And Um, I think he has a
1: little bit of an injury bug as well. So you got to protect yourself a little bit, you know, Brandon Brooks became the highest paid guard, and I think it was not all year. So you got to be careful there. You can't commit that many resources to a guy that's, you know, got to, there's smaller injuries. There's nothing big, but it's something you definitely got to keep out for. I think that's a very fair contract for Wyatt Um, recently engaged, obviously. Uh, So, or I'm sorry. Yeah. Recently engaged. So I think he'd like to set up shop. I believe he was on a, a podcast. Uh, talking a little bit, you know, earlier this week. And I think the coach has told him in the exit interview, you know, we love everything about you. You know, there's obviously certain things about the business that we got to figure out and Hey, take our money. Just yeah. Take big shout to
0: Brad, uh, doing his podcast. I think it's one of the first podcasts he's done. He's been on my show before and uh, love everything he does on Instagram and well done from him for actually getting his ass in gear and doing some podcasts.
1: There he goes. You've been called out Brad by the man, the myth, the legend, Paul Brown.
0: But yeah, I think it's one where you've
2: you've got benefits on both sides of doing it this year. White Teller can obviously cash in on a career year. Um, will he perform to that level in the future? Who knows? And, that, and that's why it sits nicely in the middle. And I've more or less described it as a 20 million decision for either team because if he regresses from this sort of, let's set that benchmark, 52 million over f- five years, um, even if we call it 40 million over four years, that that's effectively the deal we're offering. If he regresses, then suddenly it becomes a 20 million over four years back to where he was. If he booms and performs at that um, top, top level, he could potentially turn around and go, Oh, I don't want 40 million over four years. I want 60 million over four years. So That's effectively the big range based on what could happen in a year's time. So he might turn around with his agent and go, I'm really confident that we're going to smash this and be back at that phenomenal level. I'm not going to get injured. Let's chase that dream. But at the same time, he might go, actually less cash in, who knows? It might go down. I might get injured and lose half the next season. And then suddenly they're only people are offering me 20, 25 million over four years. So that's a life changing amount of money. Um, just that sort of 24.2 million over the next two new years. So that'd be over the next three years in total. Um, so I, I think if you put that in front of him, he goes ahead and signs in and you're not committed. If he has two years, yeah, you've paid him 12 million um, for those two new years, plus the one he's already contracted for. And then you move on and you draft someone else. Maybe Michael Dunn turns into the best guard the NFL's ever seen and they go that route. Who knows?
0: They've just got rid of they- that pigeon guy today, haven't they?
2: Malcolm
1: Pridgeon? Yeah. See, you're you're breaking news. I, I had not seen. Um, but no, I think with Teller, I mean, you're talking about you want to stay with Bill Callahan. That 40 million, I think you know that he's going to put him in a position to
2: succeed. So yeah, and, and they're really nice option years. He's got a fair bit in that first year, but the, the option years they're just not too bad. Um, 8.1, 9.1, 10.6. If, if I'm sitting there and he's performing half that level, I'm like, yeah, I'll take a bit of that. Um, and we're looking, we've spoke about on our piece before, if you're paying, once Baker's there, so 2023 to 2026, 20, um, you're generally paying one tackle, one on the interior, White Teller, and uh, what's his name? Um, Jedrick Wills. Oh, They're nice. your two guys. You build around then you draft other guys you sequence them in and then you're like hey Wyatt Teller you're 32 now go and retire we've got this dude that we drafted in the third or fourth round last year he's going to be the starter now and uh, it sets you up beautifully do you think there's a chance that we may not extend him Oh, hundred percent I think if they don't extend him this year it's very unlikely he gets extended and the reason for that is he either goes and booms in which case if he's wanting $16 million, they ain't going to pay him here. Or it, it regresses, and then they go, nah. Um, and then if, if we keep him another year, well... Just to Pri- put Brown's fans Hobart- at ease,
1: he's under contract for, another, for next yeah. year. Yeah, so he has one more year in Cleveland. So for all the people, he's not a free agent. The extension is to beat the free agency, so you'd be tacking on money, as we talked about with some of the other ones, at the end of next year.
2: Yeah. Just clarify. So the the reason why I think, obviously, if he booms, they're not paying that much money. If he then regresses, the issue that you've got is you're not going to pay him. And if he stays the same, well, not the same as in elite. We're talking, yeah, he drops down to that sort of 8th to 16th best guard in the NFL. They're probably going, "Eh, sod it. We'll give uh, Michael Dunn a shot if they like him. A year ago, we were all sat here going, Chris Hubbard's getting cut. I don't think there was anyone saying Chris Hubbard should stay. Where did Chris Hubbard end up after one season with Callahan, After being a sort of 80, 90% cut candidate for everyone covering the Browns? Oh, only the 11th best guard in the NFL, according to PFF. So Callahan can work magic. And if you're saying we have to pay White Teller, there's no one else that can do it. That means you don't have faith in... Uh, obviously, you're going to have to pay someone. You need some continuity and some veteran help. But it could be a time when they go, actually, we're not going to value the interior.
1: For further breakdown on the guards, go back, listen. We talked about that a little bit. But all right, well, we'll wrap it up here. Um, some NFL stuff to talk about. I can assure you Wyatt Teller will not be going to Houston. Uh, the Texans hired former Browns offensive line coach James Campin. Um, also, devastating news in the NFL, former Browns quarterback Alex Tanney, Trick shot Tanny, he has retired uh from the Giants. That's 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 terrible. If you if, you, if there's a guy who could throw the ball off of the stanchion of a field goal post better than Alex Tanny, I've yet to meet him, see him. So, you know, NFL's losing a great one there and Alex Tanny. Um little bit of sarcasm there, but no, it seems like the NFL the world of the NFL is having a little bit of a you know, just a, a tough time. And unfortunately things come in three. And, you know, since we announced the last one about Chris Wessling passing away, you know, they ESPN lost Pedro Gomez. And then today, you know, Therese Paylor, uh, who longtime writer for Yahoo, just absolutely incredible pieces. I love reading this stuff, passes away unexpectedly. So, yeah, just a lot of guys from the NFL, a lot of the, you know, the, the good guys from the NFL, the good writers, you know, the people that really kind of prosper in the written word. Uh, Gomez was obviously a, more of an anchor style um but yeah just just weird that you know all these people are just kind of you know leaving young so you know shout out to them you know from paul brown to their family you know hearts are with you guys uh it's just tough it's just tough it's tough to see
0: yeah big big shout out to marty um who died uh brown's legend head oh, coach
1: how yeah how the hell we forget marty schottenheimer wow. by the way wapo change your headlines somebody's getting fired for that that's ridiculous um, yeah, but Marty Schottenheimer is another one, you know, just NFL guys just dropping. It's, it's crazy.
0: Yeah. Really, really shame about him. And, uh, look, I didn't know about him live at the time, but I've done my homework on him and, um, yeah, really sad about his, uh, dementia and, um, yeah, Alzheimer's. Yeah. Yeah. But so. he, um, you know, he did really well with the Browns. And then uh, was very unlucky every time he got his team to the playoffs.
1: He ran into the buzzsaw. And as, like I said, the Washington Post article might want to recognize it. Lost to some pretty good teams there. It's not like his team whimpered. So, yeah. And his son is uh, Brian Schottenheimer, who was, I believe, with the Seahawks last year. And he just signed somewhere. I saw where he's going somewhere else. But, yeah. So, the Schottenheimer name will continue to live in the NFL. So. But, well, we move on, Jack. What is next on the slate? The staple of the defense the clearly the highest paid position on the entire defensive uh, side of the ball correct
2: so i can see both of you guys are sitting i need to just just warn everyone before I, I say this please make sure you are seated if you're not seated pause the podcast sit down breathe in twice once two it's a position I'm actually embracing spending more money than this front office, and <laughs> that is nuts. We're onto the linebacker position, running back to the defense. Um, I slander them all the time, and I'll happily continue slandering them. But I do embrace spending a little bit of money. Not crazy money. We're not talking bank money, but a little bit of money.
1: So, I, it was, uh, I only spend it on people that have fantastic last names. That's
0: just me. Well, I think that could be true. Just a little Easter egg, right there. I'm hoping that we're going to draft some people in that and uh, fill the room up.
2: Yeah, Paul's basically saying the guy in the bottom of the list who has consistently been crap is gone, um, and I think that's something we can all embrace. He's good. The- if he was only as good on the NFL field as he was on Twitter, dude would be in the Hall of Fame. Do you want about me? No, I'm
1: talking about Mac Wilson. <laughs> um- no, we don't say his name. We don't want to get blocked deal with it all right Uh, guys good stuff it's late london time so
2: go browns Go. go
1: browns